welcome to the Advance Your Art podcast, where we talk about the journey from artist to entrepreneur and everything in between. You've worked hard to hone your craft. Now take it to the next level with tips, techniques, strategies, and routines used by successful artists to grow their businesses and careers. Now, let's get started and have some fun with your host, Yuri Cataldo. Good morning, Warren. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Oh, fantastic. It's great to be alive. That's wonderful. I love it. So for the, the listeners who are, are not as familiar with who you are in your work, how do you describe yourself and what you do? Um, usually I go with enigma because, uh, you know, that's what I'm, if I really have to narrow it down. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm a futurist. Um, I figured out that uh, you know, lots of ha has happened in the past and I'm not going to mm -hmm. let it affect me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I can't change any of it uh, so far. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I do live in the moment. I'm enjoying where I am right now, but uh, everything else is going to happen in the future. So yeah. I like to try to live in the future and think about that. And especially with tech. And okay. And so that's what I do for fun. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That sounds so exciting. Okay, so so futurist, futurist in tech. What does what does that mean in different, let's say, tech industries? Are there are there particular types of industries that you focus on, especially, or are you more of a generalist? Yeah, uh, I, <laughs> the guy who answered your question, Enigma, and you're asking me if I'm a generalist. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. I'm definitely a generalist. Uh, but uh, the, no, the, you have to get specific about what what is going to what is going to change. You can't. The funny thing about, uh, by the way, futurist is the title I just assumed I was a futurist. There's no, mm -hmm. you know, degree in futurism. Right. There might be, but, uh, you know, I, I'd probably find that person boring. Um, <laughs> <laughs> things are happening faster now than ever. The change is, change is uh, increasing. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no reason to think change is not going to continue to increase. And so look for trends, not for predictions. Um, you know, I do a lot of stuff in blockchain. So the first question everybody asks is, well, what's the Bitcoin price going to be? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I haven't a clue. <laughs> As you can see some trends, I'm right. not selling my Bitcoin. If that kind of gives you a, a general idea of where I'm going, mm -hmm. um, you know, but, um, it, it doesn't matter. I, I plan my business so that Bitcoin can be 5,000 or 50,000. It's going to be okay. Right. Um, the, the, I read an interesting book about the history of Exxon once. I uh, wish I could remember. I'd love to quote the title of books when I can and give due credit, but um, it, was a, it had a different title. ended up being a lot about the history of Exxon. Mm -hmm. Very long book. Um, I thought I was crazy when I started it and that, because I've never been an Exxon fan. And, but in it, I just kept getting this feeling that these guys have to plan decades in advance so politics doesn't matter right um, you know what's on the tv about who said what is the you know which side do you take on the what <laughs> sometimes <laughs> sometimes you just go like there's no sides there's just crazy people on both sides yelling mm -hmm. at each other but it doesn't really matter um and it's the same as like when you play in the super bowl 
you know, if your team is against mine in the Super Bowl, we're enemies and we're screaming at each other and we both know what we want. There are many millions of dollars at stake at the outcome of that game. And then Monday we go back to work and just go on with life. Um, (laughs) And that's the way we should look at at all of this stuff that's current events. Anything that the talking heads are talking about and blabbing about on TV, it's just – um, it was what did uh, John Hanley say? The bubble-headed bleach blondes. Is that John <laughs> Fry, um, the Eagle. Yeah. Um, the people yeah. on TV just saying stuff. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Now it's not that I don't pay attention to it because I find current po- Washington politics to be educational mm-hmm. in some ways, but I don't get emotional about it. Totally don't. Uh, you know, it's whatever they do is not really going to change my life. And mm-hmm. if you're waiting for, um, you know, a, 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 a new program to come from the government or you get your monthly check or how, whatever your relationship is with the, <laughs> with the powers that be, uh, you know, more power to you. Go right ahead. But, you know, tr- let's try not to focus on that because you're not going to really be able to change very much. And yeah, go protest for your cause, do whatever, that's fine. But, the, mm-hmm. you know, vote, but, you know, don't think about that as the future. It's, right. you know, four more years or we've got to change or whatever is going to keep things the same. Boy, I don't think I've ever rambled on about <laughs> politics that much. But Because uh, <laughs> um, sincerely, I'm bringing yeah. it up just, uh, I guess I kind of like the idea now that I'm talking about it. <laughs> I really am apolitical. Uh, that you know, I don't care that it's going to bring up some triggers because that's mm-hmm. the thing you got to get rid of. Uh, the future's a long time. There's a lot of stuff can happen. Um, so if you find yourself, you know, sleeping on a park bench, stop listening to this and go do something. Right. Um, you know, <laughs> and I don't mean that in a mean way. I mean, like, actually, if, if you're doing this instead of your job, go get up, go do something, you know, figure out what you're going to do next. Yeah. And, uh, and it's okay. It's going to be all right. We're going to figure it out. Um, uh, the way I look at life now is that, you know, I'm going to keep living like I'm immortal because that's worked so far. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and someday I won't be. Um, and so what, you know, it just, it's kind of fatalistic, but, uh, but, uh, why not plan and live and strive for if everything's going to be okay. And that gets us back to the technology. There's a few that I really like right now. 5g going to change our life just in unbelievable ways that we don't know yet. Um, and, uh, we can see the trend. We can see the difference of life today than before there were smartphones, before there were mobile phones, uh, before there were phones. And we see that and uh, we can't say whether or not this is the year of 5G. Again, don't believe what they say on TV. If this is the year of 5G or next year is the year of 5G, it's, it's, it's happening. It's being built. Um, you know, so, you know, pretty much count on them doing something with it. Will it be as good as they're promising? Of course not. What mm-hmm. day? Who knows? How much is it going to cost? Does it matter? But if you're not looking in your career and life planning as there's going to be a lot better connection, and believe it or not, they're saying that we might not have as many dropped calls, um, but, uh, we'll actually <laughs> be able to make a phone call on these things. But uh, the idea that everything is recorded, 
kept track of, uh, you know, all the IoT, uh, mm -hmm. which is, you know, related to 5G as far as I'm concerned. You need you know, the two go together. So that all these devices talking to each other, keeping records, uh, and just, you know, knowing exactly, exactly what happened. Um, think of the certainty that comes from blockchain. Uh, that's my, my current uh, passion is to push blockchain because mm -hmm. it's a distributed letter, ledger. Some people say um, hyperledger, which is the IBM term for it. And, uh, you know, there's some other people say, well, blockchain isn't right. There's this other Ricardian contract. Doesn't matter. <laughs> the trend is what is properly called blockchain, and it's beyond crypto, way, way, mm -hmm. way beyond crypto. And uh, so let's see. There's, it's just it. It allows three things. It allows us to have an immutable record, so that imagine a spreadsheet where you never change the cell, or you know, it's a database. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are ways to uh, lock the access to the records where they can never be seen again. I just heard a description of how you, how you forget information that's been stored that way. Uh, it has to do with the keys and contracts, but, um, but it's stored, it's there, and we have the computing power to keep that. It's distributed, it's on a lot of computers. Uh, the cryptography holds that information together. It's blocks of records chained together. And um, uh, that is how things are gonna be built in the future. Um, will your podcast be stored on a blockchain secure location? Well, probably again, predicting whether it's a hundred percent or mostly, or it's going to be used a lot. It's, mm -hmm. uh, it's a ladder is, is very much true. A lot, a lot, meaning like everything we've built on the internet is going to be rebuilt in the next few years. And again, maybe not everything, but a whole lot of it. And uh, that means jobs and that means security. And that means some, some uh, aspects of things just cease to exist. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we're, we're in a world right now where we're, I just watched a report last night about negative in interest rates and someone was trying to explain why that was bad. Well, if I'm going to get, if I'm going to give you a hundred dollars and you're going to give me back 99 after you keep it for a while, that's not good. <laughs> so, but is it? Uh, then they talked to one guy who said, well, there's this going in and, and you know, there's this idea or whatever. If money no longer mattered, mm -hmm. what would we do? Um, if, you know, storing the wealth, uh, boy, the 1%, the ones that are in trouble. Um, if they got assets, fine. Well, they'll always do well. <laughs> they'll have assets or something, but it's not about how much, um, how much cash you have. It's like how good of an idea do you have? Mm -hmm. Which brings me to AI, which is really where, where this all comes from, is that as we get smarter and smarter computers, AI is the nickname for um, what, you know, it's the uh, abbreviation of artificial attention intelligence, but I don't believe that's what it is anymore. Mm -hmm. It's assisted intelligence. It's, you know, it's machine learning. It's just a few years ago that they got machine learning to the point where it just, the computer started learning faster than us. I have been regularly posting a tweet about Google having a machine that will write programming. Mm -hmm. And I, I swear that thing's four years old. It's an article I've I put up on some site a long time ago. And every time I, I post it, somebody 
comments and go, oh no, scary. It's going to be like, you know, <laughs> like, like the, some the, science. The Terminator? Yeah. Yeah. So the science fiction movies, right? They go, Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it's not. You know, yeah. it's like, I can't. I can't tell you what's going to happen, and it is possible that we're going to invent something like this, and it's going to kill us all. Mm-hmm. But I refer you back to my life plan. You know, plan on being immortal. Now, if your job is to secure something, learn about this stuff and secure it. I don't want my data lost. Mm-hmm. But if that's not your job, you know, be aware, but don't be crying about it. You know, it's it's happening. This mm-hmm. is all the the computers have been writing their own software, inventing languages, beating the hardest, uh, you know, what the go game, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Jeopardy thing now is what, eight, nine years old. Um, it's, the, AI is smarter than us. It's going to be. <laughs> it doesn't mean that it's going to go into robots. This is not science fiction. Again, don't believe what's on TV. Right. Uh, it's not science fiction outcome where they get cognizant and take over. That could happen someday, but it's so, so far in, in the future that what we need to worry about more is like, are we programming AI to be biased? And there's, right. yeah, that's a, I have an easy answer for that one. Let's program it to catch our bias. Right. Um, <laughs> there's not one AI coming after all of us. It's going to be uh, a lot of device doing a lot of things. Um, I, I talked this morning with my, uh, had quite an argument this morning with my uh, Echo, mm-hmm. Amazon Echo Dot <laughs> in my bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I, I decided that I wanted to make sure I was ready to get here. And so I told it what time to, to set an alarm. And, uh, and it came back with, with missing a number. Um, it's possible I was mumbling in my sleep. Uh, but then, <laughs> then I said it again, and five minutes later, the thing went off, and I just barely got back to sleep. And I, <laughs> what the? It hasn't been that long already. What's going on? Right. And so, you know, of course, I had to turn over to look at the clock, and that, that mm-hmm. was enough to wake me up. And, um, and uh, you know, we, I don't know how intelligent that is. But, you know, mostly all it's doing is reading things in a in a nice voice. Right. Um, but it will get a lot better very, very fast. Look at the trends that you can count on. Uh, I'll, I'll go one one more and then I'll <laughs> let you get a word in edgewise. Yeah. Moore's Law. Mm-hmm. For, for uh, 45 years now, a little even longer, we've counted on Moore's Law. Some people say it goes back hundreds of years because the doubling of technology was, was not very much to begin with. But mm-hmm. the, the cost of computing power, memory, uh, the power of it in silicon has been doubling every 18 months. And is it slowing down or changing? Yes, silicon, we've got to the point where you, unless we make it subatomic size, we're going to get to, uh, you know, so small that we can't make it any smaller to make a processor. But there's quantum computing. There's mm-hmm. other things coming on. So anything that you think of as having limits of storage or processing power or whatever, just gonna you know keep on getting better exponentially, mm-hmm. whether you want it to or not. And so it's one thing to count on. So hey, going to school and getting a good job as a civil servant, maybe something's going to change and we're going to eliminate that job. Uh, you know, planning up planning on helping people going to your 
the technology is going to change, but people is not. Mm -hmm. uh, people is not. Boy, I guess it's still <laughs> early here. People are not. Right. Um, and, you know, and medicine, I just finished a book about uh, the technology in medicine. Half of the book from this guy who's a, tech, a doctor tech expert mm -hmm. is caring for patients and what he's going to be able to do when they can, when the doctor can finally learn some bedside manner. Um, <laughs> the, the, there's studies that show that a doctor stopping and touching the patient uh, while he's, while he's examining him, getting him ready for surgery, whatever, has a very positive effect. Can you mm -hmm. call that placebo effect? Who cares? It's a positive effect. It works. Uh, the reason why doctors come in, stare at the chart and, and mumble something and leave is that they're very busy. Mm -hmm. But when they don't have to do the reporting, when all of that's all recorded and everything, it's not a matter of we can fight over what that record is. It's that he no longer has to spend, you know, half of his time doing record keeping and he can actually focus on spending a few minutes with the patient. And yeah, the robosurgeon is going to help him do the surgery better. Uh, the diagnostic stuff is going to help him get a, a better di diagnosis. But um, I think we're an awful long way away from having a robot come in and say, you have cancer. Here's what we're going to do about it. Right. Um, you need a human to do that. So the human jobs become, um, become more human. Mm -hmm. And if your job is not dealing with humans, you might want to look at doing something else. <laughs> <laughs> right. So what what's fascinating about let's say like the last our current conversation right now is that you are a, a wealth of information in a number of emerging technologies and industries and i i'm fortunate in boston and then i get to look at a lot of these firsthand at the mostly at the startup level i'm curious about where you find your information because much like you said, like, so the problem with AI, AI and it being biased, the problem is garbage information in, garbage information out. So where, where do you look for? Are there people? Are there books? Are there articles? When you're, yeah. like, when you're getting in, in interested in a, a new emerging technology, or even now, like, where do you go for your valuable information that allows you to speak so eloquently on multiple types of, of industries? Uh, thank you for the elo eloquent. Um, <laughs> if I could learn how the difference between is and are, I'd be doing. <laughs> I mean, you know, that, that's guess, a that's a morning thing, but that's okay. I guess it depends on what the what your definition of is is. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, actually, um, I absorb as much media as possible. I okay. flash back to a time when Wired magazine was brand new. Mm -hmm. And they interviewed uh, Penn, uh, Penn and Teller, mm -hmm. and uh, and they showed an office, and he had three TVs on. Um, this goes way back, you know. Cable hadn't <laughs> completely taken over yet in the early nineties, right? Uh, but he had, you know, tuned to news coverage, to uh, media, to whatever. He just had them going all the time, and I and I tried to do that. I found out I couldn't get cable installed to my office um <laughs> and back then you wouldn't have done it on the internet it just wasn't enough information right uh, I mean, it wasn't fast enough but the idea was that um you wanted to consume as much as possible just make him you know generally smart about stuff i right. you know i i think it's not a matter of iq 
um, you know, pretty sure I'm blessed with a good IQ. I have nothing to do with that. So mm -hmm. I don't consider that a brag. Um, but outside of that, I just, you know, I read, I watch, I see things. I watch mm -hmm. hours of television every day. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, I wish I could say it was all good stuff, but I think I just <laughs> quoted something that uh, t today that I learned on YouTube last night. Mm -hmm. um, just, you know, Singularity University, TED Talks, uh, you know, and, and wild and crazy documentaries and, oh yeah, podcasts. There's a whole lot of interesting people out there. I talk to the Uber driver every time I, I get in. Mm -hmm. uh, boy, I'm, I'm, I'm making that mistake again. I said every. It's possible <laughs> the deaf driver I had and I had no conversation. So it's not every Uber. Mm -hmm. uh, but close to it. Um, and, and sometimes I ask myself, what the idea of taking an Uber is I'm supposed to be able to like get some work done or check my phone and get car sick and, or just rest my weary head. And, you know, and sometimes I get in thinking that and next thing I know is I'm having a conversation like this, telling stories and getting to know the person. Um, one of the big things I learned about blockchain came from a Polish guy uh, who lives in uh, Vegas Mm -hmm. Uh, and the reason I found out he was Polish is I asked him about sending money. Um, and he sends money home to port to, uh, to, uh, Poland. And I asked him how much it costs. He said, I don't know. And, <laughs> and or it depends is what he said, actually. Sure. And, and, uh, so we tried to figure it out. He said he had sent $500 and it cost him 45. Neither of us had any trouble figuring out the math on that. Mm -hmm. But he didn't know. He had never taken the time to figure out it was 9%. And that has affected me in so many ways, that conversation. One, we should be able to wire transfer funds now at a half a point, a point. It should not be 9% or 25% like it is if you want to wire money in Africa. Right. Um, you know, and how can an economy thrive if we have that kind of a friction? Um, and And so... You, you hear about one thing, you try to apply it to other things. And then, as I said before, very careful not to say, well, I need to read up more about why the, you know, this clown in, in office is so bad for us. I know that. It's, it's fact. Um, you know, some of the silly things, some of the jokes I watch, I learned a lot from watching jokes. Mm -hmm. Actually, I got into late, very late last night watching an hour interview with Jay Leno, which I didn't know the guy was doing public interviews, let alone doing stand-up. I kind of assumed, but never yeah. thought about it. Oh, yeah. And, oh, wow, he has some interesting things to say. The headline was, why Jed, Jay Leno will never do a comedy special. And hmm. <laughs> I'll let you look it up if you want to know. I won't tell you. Yeah, but, I definitely uh, will. I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess it's probably similar to why other comedians, established comedians, will also not do yeah. that anymore. Right. But I'm gonna, some do. Yeah, so yeah I mean, they do. I just, I just binge watch everything I could find with Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. I've never been a big Jerry Seinfeld fan. I'm, of course, I like him, you know, it's, but, you know, um, I didn't have to watch every episode of the TV show. Mm -hmm. um, watch. I do remember. That was one of the last things I actually watched where I tuned in at the time I was told to. Um, there's one that's <laughs> a, a, a future thing that's a trend so long coming binge watching mm -hmm. we want to turn on the tv and watch what we want to watch 
Um, you know, I'm going to look at pictures of my grandkids, not yours. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's <laughs> like, I care about what I care about. Okay. And it, even though I'm saying I try to be open-minded and go through as many things as I can, end of the day, you know, my, my grandkid is the best. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, it's <laughs> like, so that's what I'm going to look at. Why would I want the TV to tell me when I, some guy in a suit in Manhattan decide what time I want to watch my favorite show? It's crazy. Um, yeah. And I, I've dropped, uh, I dropped normal cable, uh, over the air cable TV. And I worked in broadcasting and I'm pro advertising. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I drop sitting there watching, being spoon fed the, uh, the, the entertainment and news or whatever at, at a certain time. I dropped that in 99 with uh, TiVo. That's now hmm. 20 years. Yeah. And, you know, and, and back then I was pushing the limits of what I could get in my house because I saw that as the future coming. Mm -hmm. And just last week, I hear the, the big announcement about, about uh, Disney's new channel. Mm -hmm. uh, they're pushing it on us and, and saying that, oh no, Netflix has got to be, actually it was the HBO one that came out, they said, and they're going to release shows once a week uh, because this idea of binge watching is going away. Yeah. By the way, you don't, when I refer to binge watching, it doesn't matter whether you watch the whole series at once or you watch it, whatever, it's when you want. Because nobody, nobody watches 200 hours of, of a show um, you know, <laughs> without getting up from their chair. Right. Um, and so I, I, I do a lot of binge watching where I watch episode after episode and I find it, it's great. It's what I, it's my escape. I get mm -hmm. to live in another world, love watching British drama because, uh, uh, I just finished a police procedural and, and the idea was I was there with them in that situation. I know that it's fiction and it's not real or something. But I was able to escape, play with that, and it was okay. It's why we like science fiction and other things. It's a, you know, it's, we, it's, we can fantasize um, in a good way. I'm not fantasizing of, you know, creating a robot. <laughs> right, right. No, I, I get that. Your, so your, your background is in communications. I'm, I'm curious on, because so many people in different industries are kind of looking at, let's say going to school now and whether or not it's, it's valid. And, and, and that's not the conversation I'm necessarily interested in, but I'm interested in, so your background communication, how has that either helped or hurt your now current role as a, someone who's looking at the future of different technologies? Oh, it's everything that's ever happened to me has brought me to where I am. And when I can let go of, trying to hold on to any of that and just mm -hmm. go where I go. It's, it's okay. You can't regret what you've already done. Mm -hmm. So, and yeah, I think uh, learning to communicate is vital. Um, we still don't have uh, enough talent in writing and communicating and CRPs. In fact, that's the thing I, the, the thing that gets me steamed when I start seeing people yell at, at each other on Twitter mm -hmm. um, is the, uh, um, is the fact that just some of it is just so like illogically dumbly written. Um, <laughs> I'm going to talk about grammar and do another is our mistake. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but um, but yeah, it's that sort of thing. And it's 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 not that they're just so wrong, you know. That oh no, the planet, the ice caps are not melting. That's not. It's not about the fact, you know. It's you know, 
I mean, it's okay. I don't dispute facts. If you right. give it to me, it's okay. But the illusions that we have, that we have everything absolutely right when there's so much that we don't know. And I think um, that's where my education helped. But, you know, um, I've been out of college twice as long as the age I was when I was in college. So, you know, most of what I've learned in life has been after the formal study. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean I stopped learning it when I got out of school. And I think that's pretty well a dying thing. But then again, network TV executives keep think we're going to sit in front of our TV at the time they tell us. Right. Um, by the way, exception sports, you know, can't, you can't have a game and, and bet on it if, if people are going to watch it at different times. Mm -hmm. um, but <laughs> fine, you know, and politics, you know, you don't want to watch uh, or actually try it sometime. Uh, there's a political commentary show I, I found interest. The guys are interesting the way they talk about it. They pretty much don't care about the outcome, but are talking truly about the politics mm -hmm. um, uh, and political process. And I went back and watched their current show from two years ago. Um, and, you know, <laughs> they're talking about this election coming up and this is going to be, and these people are getting all excited about this. And it's just silly when you put it in context. But, uh, I'm I'm sorry. I was talking about communication. Yeah, and my ability to communicate is because I clearly stay on track with just one topic at a time. Exactly. Exactly. There's just oh, so much it, information. It hasn't stopped stopped me from going crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, wonderful. So with with everything that you have done and ex experienced so far. I know that you mentioned before that your like main goal in looking at the future is keeping a level head. How do you do that? Into so for people who do watch to say the news a lot and the political climate is all over the place and that hasn't really right. changed much. But how do you in your own life keep a level head, keep looking, you know, five, ten, fifteen years ahead and right. and keep calm and, and carry on for the weird okay. British term. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of a, a lot of uh, uh, reframing. Mm -hmm. um, and if I have an argument with my wife, it's always the same thing. I've said something. I want to know a little bit more about it. And we're talking about, you know, uh, you know, two people are fighting and we're commenting on it. And she doesn't want me to take a side. And I go like, I'm not taking a side. That's the problem. <laughs> People don't want you to be objective. Right. Um, I, I, I found myself clever about elections and uh, found myself in, in 10 minutes being called both a flaming liberal and a, one of them awful conservatives sure. uh, by two different people. You know, it, literally, I think there was one post between them on my Facebook feed. <laughs> and it was because I'd said something, said, you know, just some objective truth about it, which I really didn't care about their outcome. I was just saying, guys, you're closer together than you think. That was, you know, that's my attitude. Mm -hmm. And I stopped doing that. Uh, and in fact, uh, that was 12, 12 weeks before the 2012 election. Uh, it was actually uh, the week of the Benghazi thing. Okay. Um, and that might have been one of the things I was commenting on. And um, um, I actually posted if, if anybody catches me talking about politics between for the next 12 weeks as part of my 12-step program <laughs> i need you to slap me um, and i'm just going to stop talking about it and so sometimes you have to catch yourself like that but yeah reframing is when when i hear somebody 
passionately talking about something, I look at, okay, what is their point of view? And I think that is a communication thing I learned long ago. If I'm going to write copy to get you to persuade you to buy a product, I've got to think like you're thinking. I, I don't think like what would be best for me selling you this product. It's got to be how does your life better if I sell you this product? And, you know, you call that some NLP reframing, you know, I don't know, psycho, whatever, um, you know, whatever it comes from. It just means that I, I try to look at everything from somebody else's point of view. And, you know, if my wife would be quick to point out, I screw that up all the time. Mm -hmm. um, the other is I decided to be happy. I don't remember exactly when. I do remember it happening of having the thought process of, wait a minute, there is a space between action and reaction. Mm -hmm. uh, that time when something happens to us and we decide what's gonna, what we're going to do next. You see a, a small child cry um, and sometimes there'll be a gap between whatever, you know, uh, they got a boo-boo, they fell down, they bumped into something. And then they kind of look around bewildered and then decide to cry um, or, or react, you know, and decide might be a little bit much in the infant thing, but mm -hmm. animals, if they get hurt, are going to do certain things. Adult humans have the capacity to stop, decide how they're going to react to something. Um, and, and I have focused on that since, like I said, sometime in my twenties. I just made the decision that, uh, so it's about going on 40 years now. I decided I was always going to be happy. Um, and it didn't matter what happened. So life's threw me a bunch of curves. Um, you know, not everything went as planned, but, uh, you know, you know, go to work thinking I'm top of the world and get fired. Um, and, and so when those things happen, you know, family problems, health things, people have died, uh, I just go ahead and say, well, that, you know, that's new information. We've got to move on. It's not that I'm callous and don't care about the things. It's that yeah. I take the time to say, okay, that really hurts. I mean, my mom's been gone like 35 years now. I miss mm -hmm. her every day. But, you know, I'm, I don't plan my life around the fact that I, that my mother died young, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, uh, and, you know, fortunately she, you know, she died when I was 30. She didn't die when, you know, when I was a little kid. And I know those things have impact, but forget what they say about it was your childhood. Uh, you know, it's like sooner or later, you're going to be able to get, get past that. I still remember things that happened as a child. And, and maybe if it had been different, my life would have been different. But who cares? Mm -hmm. I can't do anything about that. Um, and I'm not going to tell you guys about that unless it's an interesting story. Um, and then I just move on. So it's all, everything is data. Uh, emotions are, are, can be controlled. Uh, and I don't mean stuff it down in and, and don't feel it. I mean, just like react as if you have the ability to, to withstand anything. Mm -hmm. um, and so I went completely broke at one time. And, uh, you know, and what I learned from that was that, I can go home tonight and the house is burned down and I just have a new story to tell. It's mm -hmm. not a story I want to tell, but I know I can survive that. I've done that. Uh, well, literally the house burning down, but you know, worse, yeah. uh, I lost it slowly to a bank. Um, you know, and, um, uh, yeah, the financial crisis was a big old mess and I studied the causes. I was fascinated by 
what happened and, and how we think we have control of the money and the economy and things like that. We just don't, uh, you know, ask yourself why the, the exchange rate between the Canadian dollar and the U.S. dollar varies. I mean, you know, we might as well all be the same big happy family mm-hmm. with Canada. And how is it that we need to have money that's at different values and that that fluctuates at all? It fluctuates even more with Japan. Again, stable economy. We don't see it every day. And so, and so, and then when you get that kind of a focus and you look at trade wars and, you know, other things happening, you go like, what's the real p- big picture about what's going on? Yeah, it's going to hurt people in the short run. And that's horrible. And, you know, I hate to hear about things. There's, emotional triggers. We just had one where we saw a family was, you know, a bunch of them were shot and include little children. And, you know, I found my wife crying when she saw the news about that. I'm going like, usually you are like me. I just, you know, take it in and go on. It was because she identified with the family and it got her quite upset about, we've got to do something about this. And it turns out there was a lot more to the story than, than just what we were able to find out first in the and the TV was lying to us again. And, uh, you know, it wasn't lying about the, the murders, the awesome tragedy. But, you know, so we still care about that. But we find out, oh, we put that in context. It's a little bit something different. Mm-hmm. Um, and think about how much we get. Uh, one, one toddler drops into a well and we go crazy with the media and whatnot. And then, and then there's genocide of wiping out a thousand people in a foreign country. And we kind of like are too busy to read that piece in the news. These, there are big macro things happening in the world. The good news is it is good news. There mm-hmm. is so much that technology is bringing us with abundance that um, food is cheaper than it ever has been for most people uh, available. Um, uh, here in Las Vegas, it's, you know, I, I, I remember asking so. I didn't know, so I asked my wife, hey, you know where somebody can go if they are having trouble eating? And she says, like, nobody's having trouble eating in Vegas. Walk up to any uniformed person and say, where do I get the food? And they're going to send you. There's a program that has surplus of food to feed people. Um, They just don't know about it. And that's Mm -hmm. the thing that I care about. I feel like, gosh, it's horrible that somebody is there struggling sleeping on the park bench, whatever it is, and, and has problems, how mm-hmm. can I help them? I know that handing them 20 bucks could, could get them a meal right now, but how can I really help them? Right. And in fact, we wrote a whole book on it. It's called Billions Rising. It's about the, the 2.7 billion people that were living on less than a couple of dollars a day. Uh, and, you know, they need, need help. Uh, they don't need handouts. It turns out the handouts don't help. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if they're starving, you feed them. Right. <laughs> That's a no-brainer. <laughs> Tomorrow, you start talking about what can we do about the situations you do. And it turns out so, uh, most people in that situation care about their families, want to work, want to do well. They, you know, um, there's, it's, uh, uh, I'm trying not to use the cliche, but uh, uh, please excuse me. I'm going to say welfare mom. They're not welfare moms in rural India, you know, it's not just mm-hmm. sitting there waiting for the handout. Um, mm-hmm. And that whole, the stigma of the welfare mom, the reason why we try not to use that term is that people are individuals. They have individual needs and wants and, and problems and situations that you can help them with. 
-hmm. And it turns out that most people want a hand up instead of a handout. Right. And um, if you give them, you know, a little bit of information, a path to doing something right, uh, just, you know, fascinating. So, uh, yeah, Billions Rising is hundreds of stories of people we interview, talk to, and programs that are working to be positive. Um, there are less people in the, everything in the under $10 a day, that, that um, the chart on that just keeps getting more and more positive. There's less there is less percentage of the world in poverty now than ever. Since the population's grown quickly, is poverty still big? It's still like a lot of people, giving them food and water, very important. And we don't have to worry about running out of stuff to do with, are we <laughs> going to be employed or not? Uh, no, there's plenty to do. Mm -hmm. We're going to fix it so that electricity is near free or near free. Uh, and Food is abundant. We already produce more calories than the world needs to, to get fat. Um, but distribution's some problem. Um, and, you know, everybody has a place to stay and, you know, health care when they need it, whatever. We'll figure out something. And the idea that a job is going to save you is just old. It just, it never really worked. We were lied to. Right. <laughs> You're not going to get, you know, I was told when I was in college that if I got a good job and stayed there, I need to look at retirement and blah, blah, blah. And one of the financial planning tricks they were telling us is save a little bit because only 5% of the population retires self-sufficient. And, you know, it took me until I was wiped out a decade ago to, to look at it and say, wait a minute. <laughs> you can't count on any of this and mm -hmm. and besides 95 percent of the population when they figured they had it all all right to teach us this didn't become self-sufficient how about them what what are we their lives are better today than they were a hundred years ago but what can we do to work on that so that you know retirement is is a, just a, a dirty word warren thinks it is I plan on, you know, having a couple more careers while I'm while I'm still here, being immortal until I die, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and and find something, do some good. And it, it uh, to me, the biggest problem facing us in the future is figuring out what we're going to do with all the idle time when we've been brainwashed into thinking some job is going to take up a, a lot of our life. Mm -hmm. um, if you could work ten hours a week or no hours a week on the current job. And you still had all the income and the, the the same amenities of life is bringing you. What would you do? Um, and when you get past, I'll take a vacation and see the world. And maybe there's this charity I want to help. Um, you, you'll run out of things to do really fast. And so that's where we find out how can we help humanity. Well, is for the foreseeable future, we're going to need to go help teach and train and. Um, bring what we've learned to people that are just not getting it. Um, but I don't know, that could come very fast because the prediction I saw last night was we're only about, oh, five to 10 years away from having, um, and here's a prediction when I don't make predictions, but five <laughs> to 10 years from having virtually everybody on the planet connected. Mm -hmm. um, it's still, you know, bring another couple billion minds online to help solve the world's problem. Um, what turn, what first turned me on about uh, about caring about people in other countries and that sort of thing, because I was a normal American, you know, 
yeah, okay, so what? Uh, I felt, you know, I was well-read. I knew what was going on in places, but uh, didn't really empathize with them. And I saw a 13-year-old girl in, in, you know, some village in Africa. Uh, it was just a picture and a story. She would spend eight hours a day carrying water for the family. And uh, it just hit me. I had at the time 13 and 14 year old daughters. And uh, uh, it just hit me that there's no reason to think that girl isn't just as capable as, or, or nearly as capable as my wonderful daughter. No one beats them, but um, nearly as smart. And what could they be do doing if, if she didn't waste her life? And then I was quickly corrected. She's not wasting her life. She's serving her family. Mm -hmm. So don't call it waste of life. But what could she do if, if the water, if there was a water tap in the home? Um, and that, you know, that can change a lot of things. And all these technologies, that's what keeps me going. Um, I've mentioned it once before, but really, if you ask me about being a future or the enigma thing, I really should be saying I'm a guy that wants to get rid of friction. Yeah. Because there's so much abundance out there. We just need to tell the world about it, uh, that what's coming, plan for it, take advantage of it. You know, nothing wrong with being a capitalist and making a little money on this. But we're finding that capitalism can solve problems. And then we really reach a weird point sometime in the not too distant future uh, that, that we actually have to worry about. Capitalism doesn't work <laughs> because we will have... <laughs> we will have solved the problems that capitalism was put together to solve and money won't be that important. Then mm -hmm. what are we going to do? Um, you know, <laughs> go back to school. Why are you going back to school to get a better job? No, you don't need a better job. What are you going to do? Well, I could exercise more. Ah, that one makes some sense. You know, but by the way, we've come up with a drug and when you take it, you, you no longer age. Um, are you still going to exercise? Well, yeah, probably because it's fun. I like the outdoors. Okay, there, now we're getting somewhere. Right. Um, but the the future's not what you saw on TV, and uh, it, but it, but it makes sense that the trends that have served us well this far are going to continue to uh, help. And people trends, man, I just I just thought of it. Thank you. I've had an epiphany <laughs> um, of the people trends of yeah. being able. It's always been that if I care about people, I get more reward out of it than they do. Mm -hmm. Um, and the more, the more you give, the more you get all of that good, you know, golden rule has not changed. Um, and you know, Christians call it golden rule, but, uh, you know, it's, it's in all religions and philosophies you do for others. And it's good. It's better to give than to receive. And, you know, we were taught this and then we, then we learn about business or careers and it's like, well, I've got to edge out and beat the other person and kill my competition. And it's just, we don't need any of that stuff. It's just a game we're playing. What mm -hmm. we really need is to give and feel that, that the, the, the high there is from, uh, you know, that you get from the good days when you're raising children, by the way, raising grandchildren, much better. Um, <laughs> That's what I hear. <laughs> yeah. They don't sleep at my house. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's um, there's so there, there's just so much joy that can, that that you can spread and share and uh, and you know, and the the uh, I don't know the dopamine or whatever whichever chemical it is it's a high mm -hmm. um, and I seriously mean it I didn't when I came up with this saying my house can burn down and it's a new story to tell but that's the truth 
if we are all in some matrix hooked up to a tube and just think the, about this life as a dream, it's still, it's still the good, the doing good, receiving good works. Uh, by, the, by, by the way, that's the way they say it in, in Thai. Tam di dai di, tam chua dai chua. Um, it means do good, receive good, do evil, receive evil. Okay. So for anyone who speaks Thai, excuse my accent. It's been 40 <laughs> years since I've listened to Thai. Sure. Um, uh, Great. So, well, uh, right. I was going to say, so I. Did we cover everything? My, you know, we have covered so much information. I, I feel like I could have a separate, like, hours of conversations just on each of these topics. But I think this has been an absolute fantastic uh, introduction of your, your philosophies, how you look at things, how people can kind of mirror and look at how you have navigated um, your, the, the world and, and ways that they can also kind of, you know, take from your example and, and find ways that they can also follow in your footsteps, look at the future, you know, different industries. I, I think this has been fantastic. If the, the listeners would like to read more about what you're working on or, or follow you online or read more about, you know, the foundation you've started and other projects you're on, where are the best places they can go to do that? Well, I'm Warren Whitlock, W-A-R-R-E-N, W-H-I-T-L-O-C-K. And that's mm -hmm. my .com website. And uh, I'm on social media all over the place. I, uh, best known for writing a book about Twitter back in 2008, uh, the first book mm -hmm. on the subject. And uh, so I, you know, tweet me at Warren Whitlock um, and find me on LinkedIn and my website and, oh, you know, uh, Google me, I'm out there. Um, and, uh, you know, and reach out. And what I like best is that somebody tweets me and asks me a question, you know. I, I, I do not, I will not feel bad if you tell me that was the most wonderful interview ever when you tweet me, but you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm much more interested in getting a question, seeing how I can help. Sure. Um, and, you know, if you ask me to give you a shout out, you're wasting your time and mine. Uh, my shout out is not going to change your life. Um, and, uh, and I'm going to tell you that. And by mm -hmm. the way, that is a shout out. I use your name <laughs> in a tweet. It doesn't matter what I say. Um, right. And that's the good of doing that. And yet, yeah, do talk to people like me. Most people I know that are, um, you know, post social media uh, famous are very good at handling uh, input like that. So I now regularly, if I subscribe to a newsletter and it's a, from a person, I hit reply and talk to them. Mm -hmm. And I know right away, you know, if they don't respond within, sometimes it's minutes, but, uh, you know, they can have a mailing go out to 100,000 people. And I hit reply and talk to them, and they answer back. And mm -hmm. I've got some great relationships with people. I, I do that. The guy that started CD Baby. Um, oh, yeah. That guy. Oh, great guy. And he'll yeah. answer if I send him email. Seth mm -hmm. Golden has answered my email. Um, you know, and just people I just decided to talk to. Tom Peters, one of the greatest philosophers of business ever. The guy who made it so that when your mission statement says, we strive for excellence, He's the guy that came up with putting that word in thing uh, from 1980 book in search of excellence. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the all time best, best, sell best selling books on the topic and usually laughed at now because the company's profiled in the book are half gone. 
Mm -hmm. um, but you know, when he describes that in other books as being that's it, change is happening faster. Um, and he'll use bold print that's you know 36 points right in the middle of a paragraph because that he wanted to emphasize the word and he'll repeat the same thing and things you wouldn't do. And and he's a friend on Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, and <laughs> I was just in awe. And by the way, he he did the thing to me that I pro I probably have done to others, but I, I'm not that famous. Um, and he said, <laughs> I said, I've always been a fan. And that's, I think, the only time he didn't answer. Um, <laughs> Maybe coincidence, but uh, yeah. don't go up to people and say, I've always wanted to meet you. I'm such a big fan. It's okay. I mean, people like that, but ask them a question. Mm -hmm. um, I, it's amazing how often people see me. I've got a picture of me with three of the sharks, mm -hmm. shark tank, and people will ask me, whether or not I can get them in touch with one of those people. I can't, by the way. Um, I would tell you how to do it if you really wanted to do that, but usually it peters out very fast. You know, mm -hmm. it, I, I promoted books for a long time as, as uh, you know, that was my career 15 years ago sure. and uh, did a whole bunch of them. And I, hundreds of times I've had an author tell me uh, that, you know, she wants to get on Oprah. Um, and again, it's an old story because Oprah doesn't have the, it'd be Ellen today for those of you who don't know who Oprah is. Right. Um, <laughs> are there people that don't know who Oprah is? I don't, um, I anyway. mean, I don't think so. I mean, there, there before might be. Ellen, yeah. Yeah. Before Ellen, there was an Oprah show. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and at the time people would say, you know, and I, and I just learned to, to ask them this question. Say, so if, if, uh, let's just assume that if Oprah saw your book and read a bit of it, you wouldn't need to worry about getting booked on the show. She'd be calling you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, let's assume that for a moment. Your book is so good that she's going to single you out and find you. That you know, we'll just forget that she that the show probably gets a hundred book submissions a day, and right. it really matters on whether or not you're a good guest, not whether or not your book is that great. Um, and um, uh, uh, but let's just assume that. What would you do next? And it just would fall apart. People just didn't have any goal. Well, by the way, the book's not finished yet. Well, then why do you want me to hook you up with Oprah? Um, another one, by the way, in case you're wondering, I can't hook you up with Oprah. Uh, I can tell you how to do it, but um, sure. you know, it, it, it involves a lot of money and time and people just don't do it. Right. Um, and I guess that's, a, you know, let's, let's part ways on that piece of advice. Uh, you can get anything you one out of life if you help enough other people get what they want and have the commitment to go ahead and follow through and actually do that. Um, you know, if you have a billion dollar idea, you've got to get people to buy the billion dollar idea before you make the billion dollars. Uh, mm -hmm. We don't just see the idea, despite what it says on TV about Silicon Valley, we don't just listen to your idea and go, oh, that's great. Here's a check for a billion dollars. Um, <laughs> Right, right. Excellent. Again, Warren, so thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I will put the, the links to your website in the show notes so people can click right through to warrenwoodlock.com and uh, follow what you're working on, follow your tweets, and uh, get in touch with you if, if they like. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Advance Your Art Podcast. If you like this episode, please go into iTunes and give us a five-star rating. And while you're there, hit the subscribe button so that every single time I release a new episode, it will go directly to you without even thinking about it. 
If you're interested in hearing older episodes, please go to AdvanceYourArt.com where you can find the catalog of everything I've done so far, as well as contact information and projects I'm working on. Thank you again, and have a great day.